Welcome to the Good Diabetes Podcast. I'm Cindy. And I'm Marcia. Thank you guys for tuning back in with us today as we have a very special guest that's joining us, Miss Tammy Brown, who is actually a new dear friend to me that I have met through my state affiliation in the Mentor Mentee Program. And I wanted her to come on to talk about her life history, I guess we'll say, and her career, her career changes, second 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 degree second careers I guess we'll call it and uh, give us a sense of uh, her her progress in life and coming into the dietetics field and then also talk about uh, the stigmas around diabetes and a new diagnosis that's come her way so Tammy welcome welcome Tammy thank you so you're uh, actually our first real interview I think like this way so yay um yay. there so we'll we'll work out the kinks with you no kidding um there so tammy again as i said we met through the mentor mentee program with the alabama dietetic association which spent a few months in um zooming with each other a couple of times and you've um come a, around some huge uh, headstones and in, in way in your new career so just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how you got where you are and where you're going in the future okay hello everybody i'm excited to be here i can check this off my bucket list now oh um, yay <laughs> I am Tammy Brown, and actually this is my second career. I served in the military in the Army for 20 years, and I retired in 2012. I um, started a business. I did a semester, about a full semester, about spring of 2015, and I decided, you know, I want to open a business. Let's do it. Why not? Right. (laughs) I know. Why not? Easy peasy. Sounded like you needed more to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, in the military, you kind of have a high op tempo. So which that means, you know, stress is just really high. Right. You know how to deal with stress if it's low, but mm-hmm. I'm learning. So I opened a business in 2015. It's called Restoring Bodies, Fitness and Nutrition Services. And that business, I created it because it's for the aging gracefully community, which means people 50 and older. Um, but we all are aging gracefully. It doesn't matter what age we are because it's mm-hmm. one day, the next day you're a day older. So you're aging. That's gracefully. right. True. That, um, older people begin to draw back because society is so focused on youth and, and young. And, uh, but I say we grow bolder as we grow older, if we allow ourselves to do so. So I have, I am married. I have two naturally born children that are 18 years apart so my daughter will be 35 in March and my wait a minute yes, my son is 16 will be 17 this coming September nice three grandsons and one of them is just a year younger than my son so <laughs> you sound like my, my family a little bit <laughs> my daughter and I are raising kids together and um, <laughs> as, a, as a child being um Black American, um, nutrition was not taught to us. We just ate what mama and daddy put on the plate and there was no questions. Mm-hmm. I've always been an athlete, an athlete and like fitness. So I wanted to know how the nutrition component connected with fitness. 
So I was very avid in teaching fitness and I went to Lipscomb University one weekend to get my CEUs for spin. And I fell in love with that cap campus and I was like, well, I want to see if they have a, a dietetics program. Now we'll say this, I did not know what a dietitian did. I did not know mm -hmm. what to become a dietitian. So when I signed on the dotted line, I really didn't know what I was signing up for because I didn't do science or math in school. Right? It has been a great adventure and I just passed the dietetics uh, CDR exam on December the 8th of 2020. That's amazing. <laughs> Y'all, those tests, uh, you think they're done when you get out of college and then they're like, wait, you gotta sit for another one? Yeah. That's awesome. Awesome there. Yeah, those tests are what decides your, you know, your ability to have your career. <laughs> so. Yes. 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 And you can fail them. I did. I was one of those first to go around. Please make sure you know how many questions are on the exam, people, before you take it. That's my note to you um, there. Well, <laughs> With I that. Okay. I'll... Well, okay, great. Thank you. Thank you for that. Because, um, you know, we think we're alone in this world. And though, you know, I don't know what it is. And I think nursing may fall in this too, Marcia. So tell me uh, if, if I'm wrong. But we, in the, in the dietetics field, we have this type A. Mm. where not only are we going to accomplish, but we are going to over accomplish and failure does not exist. And yeah. so to, to have that, it, it's just kind of the gut wrenching pain that stays with you. Um, of course, until you got to get back up and do it again, if you want like the last four years of your life to mean something <laughs> and do a career, you know? Yeah. I think anybody just, I mean, I know I personally am, I'm a, I'm a type A, you know, I'm going to reach over and beyond. And um, I'm sure there, there can be medical professionals and, and in the, you know, dietetics world and things like that, that may not, you know, have that exact persona, but I feel like that, I feel like that is an underlying can, you know, thing. Yeah. Um, I, I just think, I mean, again, maybe it is with all healthcare professionals, but um. And I mean, well, you, you, Tammy, you can speak to the fitness world. Um, it, is that the same, you know, personality with someone in the fitness world wanting to overachieve and not fail? Yes. And in the fitness world, everybody wants to be better than the next person down. The yeah, I see. And I, I mean, I could, I mean, I guess I could understand that. And I think that's part of our problem as um, a discipline for m most healthcare individuals is not only are we there to help serve others, but we always have in the back of our head, oh, I have to be better or do better than that one. So not really, I would say this is going to sound really harsh, but not necessarily for our clients, but for us at our achievements in life um, there. So with that being said, we are all three type A individuals today. And um, so what that means is, um, uh, Tammy, now I'm going to kind of ask you a little bit about that journey through the, the dietetics. Um, uh, you know, when you got into it, the program internships, tell me about that um a part of your life so when i started school and i'm not ashamed to say it because we're growing bolder as we grow older That's i was right. four years young when i started so when i went to school i was a little intimidated 
everybody else around me was young. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I started from the ground floor as a true undergrad, as a freshman. Mm-hmm. I did have some, some credits that transferred, but I still had to start from ground one. But I also noticed when I went into my classroom that not only being 44, but it was not many that looked like me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was like, okay, so this is not, we, we got to bring diversity to this field. And I believe we are. I am working with a group right now that is working on that. But I felt another set of intimidation. What if I'm not smart enough? I, you know, what can I do? But I had a great group of um, professors and the students were really nice to me, you know. They always call me Miss Tammy. So that tells me I was like, <laughs> <laughs> It feels weird the first time you hear that, but when you hear it from like your colleagues and your fellow students, um, that that's, yeah, that's a little out there. Um, but that shows great respect. So um, yeah. awesome for them to show that. Um, and I, I have to mimic what you said, you know, going through my dietetics career as an undergrad, the diversity was very small, Um, a handful of African-American, maybe a handful of males, um, maybe not Mm -hmm. even any males actually um, uh, coming. We had one. You had one. I I think, no, I think I taught one. Okay. Yeah. I don't think we had any. Um, So can you please, you you had mentioned, uh, you know, reaching into, I think it's MIG uh, uh, practice group. Is that the one you're in? Yes, I'm in the member, uh, a member's interest group through through the academy, and it's called NOVADAN, which stands for the National Organization of Blacks in Dietetics and Nutrition. And what they do is they um, they are trying to bring more diversity for black and brown skinned um, registered dietitians and DTRs into the, um, I don't want to, the field of dietetics, I guess. Mm-hmm have to say it like that and yeah um I started studying with them during my internship down at Sanford because I went to Sanford for my dietetic internship in my master's of public health so I do have a master's of public health and um I found out oh okay I do want to give back to this community so I applied to be what they call an exam prep coordinator and what this program does it offers study groups through different uh sessions in the year for um, people that recently graduated, they're uh, Black and African-Americans that graduated dietetic internship, and we're helping them study for the wow. test. So those of you out there that don't understand what we really do, that we go to school for all these years, and then we have to study for the exam to be able to pass the exam, because the exam is totally different than what we really do in our field. So They try. They, they really try to prepare us for that, but it's, there's nothing like it. It really isn't. You can't mimic it. So I'm really enjoying the experience. Um, I get to speak with the, I'm the, the one that talks to the executive committee of Nova Dam. Nova Dam. Okay. So I'm really excited. I love to talk anyway. So it's <laughs> no, for me. That's great. And as we continue in uh, America to just talk about diversity in general, but it's good to hear that the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics and our state uh, affiliations are really pushing it forward and actually accomplishing um, something through programs like this. And 
Can you speak a little bit to what y'all's y'all's mission really is? So our mission is to uh, have a diverse community embedded in uh, the academy for registered dietitians. That's our mission. And we want to be able to have dietitians that look like me. Mm -hmm. so, so when we go into, you know, maybe maybe a low income housing area or some as uh, to bring information that it won't always be, I hope I can say this, it won't always be someone that's Caucasian yeah. or white because sometimes no, please we do. may yeah. see mm -hmm. that there's someone that's doing something that looks like us. And so that is the goal of Nova Dan is to increase, to bring it up to, I think they said to at least about 2.6% coming up so i think wow. we're below that yeah. so you can imagine that it's very sparse uh, black american registered dietitian but they're out there yeah. my first preceptor i was like i don't know who she is but when i talked to her on the phone i said i think she's black and when i went she was so i was very excited about that to see that so that's our mission well, that's and we help well, we help them wonderful. prepare for the exam and we do it it doesn't cost them anything oh that's nice <laughs> I mean it. And, and to be already so successful in your first career, I'm just going to say that because I believe anyone that can retire from the military, um, success um, should be printed everywhere. Um, but to come into this second career and already be making a voice, that's that's awesome. That's incredible. And, and I want to be the best mentor I can be to you. And I think it's to be your cheerleader, to keep you going and, and making sure you still understand how powerful your voice is. And I know that we had maybe joked, but somewhat serious about starting you a podcast and getting that voice further out there because, um, you know, I tell, and I hope I can say this without stepping on someone's toes. Um, but I tell most of my students who come through, most people are going to look at you as a skinny white girl. So you got to do something about that. And what that means is be able to not necessarily pull down on someone's level, but be able to humanize with them, mm -hmm. to show them that mm -hmm. you're human too, whether that means showing, uh, you know, uh, some struggles that you've been in or kind of making sure that you fully understand their situation by, you know, acknowledging and actively listening to them and bringing real solutions that involve them and not just that skinny white girl. And most of the students look at me like I'm crazy, but I'm just like, please understand that this is what happens and this is what we need to help to break through to, to get the diversity going um, is we have to understand on our side um, uh, as well to support, um, uh, you know, each other. And so thank you for, you know, for heading up that and, and, can, and gosh, I mean, just got your exam and doing such great things. You have a voice to be reckoned with, and I'm proud of you. I'm just saying that as your mentor. Thank um, you. There, I we only know each other so much, and I feel like uh, that type A is reaching up. I'm like, man, she's she's bypassing me a little bit here. Um, <laughs> no, I'm proud of you. I think it's awesome to be able to kind of sit back and help somebody else reach their goals um, instead of pushing myself on for us. So as we kind of segue um, uh, through here, Marsha, I want you to speak to the reason that we started this podcast. I want you to just give a little blurb about why we're here and what our goal really is to do with this podcast. Okay. I think to sum it in a word, <clears throat> it would be uh, stigma. Mm -hmm. And um, 
you know, diabetes has, um, and I really honestly, whether we're talking about type one or type two, I think there's stigma, although it can be different, uh, different types of stigma, but um, there's just the general population knows so little about diabetes. And we try to slap all these tags and these names and these, you know, just sticks stigmas to it that, um, you know, I, I just felt really compelled to say, we need to get out there and we need to teach some truth about this. So that's what I feel like our podcast is about. And to make it sound a little bit more angry, um, and, you know, in our daily lives, most of the listeners know we um, are, you know, diabetes care and education specialists. And when we hear the stigma, you know, it really makes us want to punch something. We're not punching people or anything, but it's just we wanted to go beyond our office walls and be able to shout and help correct such misinformation about diabetes in general mm-hmm. out there. And um, mm-hmm. uh, and that is, you know so much I think the big conversation within diversity as well when we're dealing with chronic diseases and the risk factors um, and it comes down to uh, you know Caucasian versus African-American versus Asian-American I mean it's it's so diverse in itself and that's why we're here Tammy and so again thank you for sharing your story but I'd like to if you don't mind get a little bit more personal with you and um talk to you about some uh, recent diagnosis that you we've had a couple of people marcia including sharing their story of being diagnosed with diabetes i'm not sure if we 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 told you that um uh tammy but uh, marcia lives with type 1 diabetes which i was corrected one day and it's the bad diabetes Marsha is that what people say to you all the time all the time yes um oh you must have the bad type and and hence the good diabetes podcast Mm -hmm. I don't know we're finding the good in it but there's no such thing as a good or a bad it's it's diabetes Um, (laughs) it's diabetes and again that's the stigma that we're trying to to break here so Tammy if you don't mind can you share a little bit leading up to um uh, that um diagnosis in your life? Yes, I was in my, I think I was in my dietetic internship, if I'm not mistaken. It had to be 2019. So I actually started school, my undergrad in 2013, took that year off, started my business, and I did not graduate to 2018. Took some months off before I decided I was going to apply for the dietetic internship, you know, and I did, and then I started dietetic internship in 2019. So my life was very chaotic, very uh, stress-driven, and didn't eat well um, because I was in school. And mm-hmm. I know uh, the VA normally does a, <clears throat> we do a twice a year physical or exam or checkup, whatever you want to call it. They check your, your biomarkers. And I remember going in, uh, it had to be December of 2019, and I went in for my checkup and met with my uh, primary care physician. And she said, you know, uh, you have type 2 diabetes. I was like, oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 not me. Um, I'm going to school to be a dietitian. I cannot have type 2 diabetes. I felt defeated because here I am learning about nutrition learning what you should do, even though I knew I wasn't doing it, most of my 
time it was sedentary because I'm sitting around studying hours of day, driving hours every day to Nashville from Huntsville, Alabama. That's where I'm located. And so I wasn't very active and I, it, it, I denied it for a year. I didn't. That's so bad, but I did. No, well, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna interject. I'm gonna interject that the way you were feeling psych- psychologically is actually so, like so normal. Uh, you know, it's just a normal response. Um, and you know, we see it so often with type two diabetes. Um, but again, kind of going back to that stigma a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I, you know, just to reassure you that the way you were feeling, I don't, I would never call that bad because it's just, it was your body. It was your brain's natural response. So there you go. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. My father had type two diabetes. I'm trying to help him, but here I do get the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So I denied it for a year. And then when I went back, my numbers had climbed a little. I've never been close. My highest A1C was 6.7. That was my highest A1C. Not too bad. I could get that down there. You know, never been above seven and don't plan to be, hopefully. That's right. (laughs) But to to tell my my family, oh, I have type two, I hit it. I did not tell, I told my husband, okay. but I did not tell my family because they, you know how family can be, oh, mm-hmm. so you're a dietitian, but you got type 2 diabetes, you mm-hmm. ain't, you know, da, 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 da. and mind you that they've never educated themselves on diabetes, period. Right. right. So I felt, I did, I, just what I said earlier, I felt bad, and then I had to take it seriously, I'm going to say, oh. Uh, in 2020, when I started, when I got ready to graduate from Stanford and everything and trying to, you know, exercise more because now my sedentary lifestyle didn't have to be because I wasn't mm-hmm. studying all the time. I wasn't trying to be a mother. I wasn't trying to be a wife or a grandmother, a dog mom or, you know, <laughs> that stuff. I was just, it's time for me to get busy and get back into my fitness studio, be able to teach classes again and do what I do. And how do I feel about my diagnosis now is the fact that I just need to be educated more, even though I am a registered dietitian, mm-hmm. there's still some things I don't know. Mm-hmm. And because of science, it's going to always change, but if I'm on top of it and keep educating, talk to Cindy and Marsha, then I'm like, I'm going to be okay. You know, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to do this. Um, I, I had a job interview last week with a that deals with type 2 diabetes so I'm real excited about that now the way their approach about it is a little bit different okay people have very strong feelings about oh yes can you share what that means yeah I'm intrigued they they attack type 2 diabetes um through um, nutritional ketosis Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes, they do. And I've been looking at their information and following, but they do it on an individual basis. So good to hear. That's what perked my interest. The individual basis. And they're always looking at your biomarkers for your liver, 
you know, cholesterol, all that kind of stuff. So they're looking at all of that. But I had a job interview. I'm actually going to be a red if if I get the job, I'll be a registered registered dietitian, nutritional coach. Okay. All right. All right. I'm coaching people on don't be so hard on yourself. I know it it sounds different, but it is very new. Mm-hmm. That's it. And that's, and Marsha speak to this too. That's a huge part of our everyday education. You know, diabetes are not someone walks in with a chronic disease. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, they need education, but they need someone that's going to coach and understand and be able to really help them on the emotional and um, uh, the motivational level. Yes, I I agree. You know, the very first time someone walks into my office, we're going over risk factors uh, for what brought them to this point in a sense that really were outside of their control. And so, yeah, I feel like we try to do a good job of, of helping people understand um, and, and kind of break down that own stigma they have against themselves. So right. that's it. And, and Tammy, I need you to hear that again. Um, (laughs) it's not your fault that that's not my fault that's not eating well that not non-activity those things you said no though mm -mm, that is not you not your fault um you'll uh you know i know you know but you'll continue to learn wholeheartedly the true risk factors of diabetes uh, type one or type two and how complicated and complex this disease is that people often look at risk factors as causes. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to preach, Marsha can preach too. Um, <laughs> no, it's not a cause. It is a risk factor, meaning that you may be more at risk because of this, that, or the other. And yeah. genetics speak louder than anything, anything. And that's also part of, you know, that comfort and bringing people into their diagnosis. And you said something pretty great too, um, Tammy, along the lines of, you know, making sure, you know, your A1C stays a certain way and um, you've started back with your exercising and also um, that you're going to use the tools available to you because there are tools for managing diabetes. We've come a long, long way with how we can really take care of uh, uh, those um, dealing with blood sugars. And Marcia, if you don't mind for a minute, can you define A1C for the audience? So the simple definition is every second, almost of every day, your blood sugar fluctuates. Um, And so the A1C is allowing us to kind of see every blood sugar of every second of every day for the last three months, but it's not giving us those individual readings. It's giving us an average of all those readings together uh, again for the last three months. So I guess the quick answer there is it's your blood sugar average for the past three months. That's crazy that they can take your blood and look in the past. That's crazy. Mm. We could get really technical for a second. There's something to do about red blood cells and red blood cells. Yep. Pop Mm -hmm. quiz, Tammy. How (laughs) how many days do red blood cells last? (laughs) It was like 120 days. Approximately. (laughs) Approximately. (laughs) Did you hear me go? (laughs) 
I know. Um, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's a lot of information to learn out there, people um, there. And that's why if, you know, you move into the diabetes world, again, the plethora of information you're going to learn mm-hmm. that, yes, aligned with our textbooks, but hello, it's real life. You, that not only is that going to help you in your journey with diabetes, um, but man, how powerful you're going to be as an advocate, not only, um, you know, in the dietetics field, but persons living with diabetes and also that African-American group. I mean, you're just going to, your voice is going to be so powerful. I know I keep saying that, but it it already is. So I can imagine where it's going to go there. Um, And so with, with that being said, you, you mentioned also that you didn't tell your family for um, how long until you told your family? Could have been six months ago. I don't know. So a couple of years. Yeah. I, I really kept it a secret because I know my family dynamic and I just look at my, like for my father, my father has, he's on like two insulins and I watch how he eats and I'm like, man, can we just work together? And he's like, I'm good. I got this right here. You know, his shot, he thinks that's good, but it's only going to get worse. Cause for example, when I went, I went to my last checkup and uh, this is March. So I went to my last checkup. It had to be in December was it's February, but December. And I think I went from a 6.5 A1C to a 6.6. Okay. There had to be stress in my life for that. And I don't live in my own house right now. So I don't really control everything that comes into the house. Right. Um, my doctor wanted to put me on another medication. And I was like, mm. no, I had lost weight. I've lost five pounds. Um, mm-hmm started being active again and my numbers were dropping why would you want to put me on another medication mm-hmm. that's something I don't understand that's why I was trying to explain to my father if we if you just let me help you change some eating patterns some some habits you have we might be able to get you backed off of one of those insulin shots you know and this thing. but it also brought me to remember that his mother had types his mm-hmm. some of his sisters so I a you know a component in the family coming down the down the line and so I just really recently told my family and then sometimes I wake up my husband loves me he just doesn't understand and I love honey buns I love donuts Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I try to stay away from them and I wake up and there's a big honey bun sitting beside my bed and you're not referring to your husband no not my my honey bunny that is for him but no this is like you know honey bun that he brought and I keep telling like my mom and then let's all get educated together so this so I had the diagnosis in 2020 do you know my doctor did not recommend me to go see a diabetes educator guess who told me go see the diabetes educator it was my mentor Miss Cindy she said I want you to make your appointment so my appointment is actually tomorrow We'll have to do a follow-up and see how that goes. Um, Most definitely. And I was reading, and and Tammy, I'll send you the article because it's spot on. Uh, And the article itself is... 
I call it the blame and shame disease, mm -hmm. a qualitative study about perceptions of social stigma surrounding type 2 diabetes. And as I'm reading through this research article and some of the statements that were, were picked out from what the participants said about type 2 diabetes and um, their perceptions and what they thought other people's perceptions were, were just, it honestly almost, it almost brought me to tears because as you were mentioning a while ago, um, you know, your dad, you know, and his family and his family, you know, there's, there's a genetic link there, but oftentimes people come into our offices and they think it's their destiny to end up like the ones before them, especially in the cases, of course, they didn't take care of themselves, unfortunately, and they had some of the unfortunate events, complications that can happen when we don't take care of uh, ourselves and our, and our blood sugars. And, and, you know, I think that speaks volumes, uh, you know, right there, because um, what do we call it? This ancient grandma's diabetes. Uh, mm -hmm. And medicine has changed, tools for management have changed, and that's something that, you know, is first and foremost what trying to spread to the community here, that it's not your destiny, you know, to have an amputation, you know, I'm, I'm going worst case scenario um, there. And if that does happen, there is life after and, um, and again, that's where we all step in to try to be that support system. And, but within this um, article here, and I will put it in the show notes because it's a very quick and easy, but yet good read. And I'm not going to go into the whole methods and, and results and stuff. I just wanted to, to point out a few things. It says um, in the, um, the section that says perceptions of social stigma, uh, when they were asking the participants about diabetes. One woman described the personal experience of stigma as follows. I think the stigma is that it's a lifestyle disease, that somehow you've been lazy and you've allowed this to happen to yourself. I think to me, that must come through very strongly. That's the judgment that I think is made, end quote there. And that was one of the first things that was mentioned in the article, you know, related to really what one person thinks about diabetes. And, and honestly, I think it's quite spot on with where the community in the media looks, um, you know, at people with type two diabetes, uh, you know, uh, as something that they did wrong. And, um, uh, you know, and, and what we know, what we know, um, you know, not what we think we know, but what the science tells us, it's, it's not all about that. Okay, again, I'm going to scream genetics there. So, um, and it also talks about, you know, when to tell people, mm. why to tell people. And there was a lot of that shame that was within the article that you mimicked as well, Tammy. But again, you got a, a little bit of a double, double whammy because, yeah, they're looking at you now as, as a healthcare professional um, uh, there and, um, and a person living with diabetes. So, uh, you know, I understand that you know shading for a while on the family because uh, again man the harshness of family can give you whether they think they're showing love or not mm -hmm. in a time like that i just i can't can't imagine the the real trauma you know from the words that may be said and marcia can you speak anything to that as far I, as i you know i just in my like i said type 1 type 2 diabetes although there's stigma it's different and I think we can appreciate that and, and say that, but 
you know, I do try to coach people to definitely bring a family member with them to education. Um, Like you were talking about, Tammy, to, you know, have everybody educated. I think that's a beautiful thing because I know just in my own family, like I'm, I'm one of the only medical professionals in my immediate family. And I try to give medical advice and they tend to just I don't know, misconstrue it or ignore it or or tend to see me as the five-year-old still running around and not know what I'm talking about or, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, I think, um, and, you know, and believe me, my family loves me and I know that and I love them, but still they're their misunderstanding of diabetes is, is sometimes like astronomical and it makes me chuckle because it's like, you know, Hey, I've been, I've been dealing with this for like, you know, um, almost three decades now and, and still they don't get it. And, and so I feel, I feel you, man, like education is probably going to be the single most thing that's going to help them be good support people for you. And are are you, are you taking anybody with you, Tammy? My husband, because very good. Um, yeah, my good. going with me. I have I have encouraged my mom to go with my dad. Um, but you know he's allowed to have re-education mm-hmm. every yes every year every two years right one year every one year, year. Mm-hmm. every year and for some reason they they don't ask for it and I can understand Marsha what you're saying because okay so I have two very bright brothers like like really bright brothers like I'm just I'm just sandwiched in the middle and I was one of the I was one of those that you know I, I was a C a C student at best when I did put that my my best foot forward and no one ever saw me uh to include myself it's sad but it's true saw me getting a college degree so I mean I had my daughter very young I was 18 still in high school when I had my daughter you know my path was a little different and I never saw myself getting a bachelor's let alone a master's, let alone being a healthcare professional. So my family, they kind of, it's kind of an inside joke was, who would have thought? <laughs> That's too, I mean, I get it. Because <laughs> it's so uh, yeah. funny. I mean, my husband saw my high school, my high school um, report card, and he said, good Lord, how'd you get out of high school? So, <laughs> but I'm sitting here and I'll, I'll tell myself, I'll say, Hey, dad, you know, I can help you. And I'm good. And I'm like, mm-hmm. healthcare professional. You know that, right? I, I, I made it. I am a healthcare professional. And they're like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> so no wonder. It's like patting your head. Sure. <laughs> I'm wh- yes. And so I think the hardest, the hardest audience to help are those that are very close to you. Mm-hmm. And I see it with my dad as he's aging, you'll be 75 and in June and my mom, but it just hurts my heart that they don't understand that I, I can help them and I can help myself. And and obesity does run in our family. My brothers, both of them are big guys, but we all start out really, except for my, my younger, I've always, I never battled with weight until, until I started having injuries and surgeries in the military. Mm. That's when I battled with weight. Mm. Oh, well, that's going to get us on a discussion of hormones. And that's, yeah, it is. that's a rabbit trail. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I, but I'm very active. I can work out with the best of them when I'm healthy, when my joints don't hurt. By the way, I yeah. have knee replacement on March the 4th, but. Oh, okay. 
Let me I just want them to understand I have the studio come down we have something for them I understand and so my, I told my husband he will go with me you'll go with me mm-hmm. educated so you can begin to understand why we need to watch out for our son mm-hmm. because my husband has heart issues mm-hmm. he has heart issues in his family so we have some kind of crazy dynamics going on when it comes to the genetic part mm-hmm. cool mm-hmm. I call myself the genetic cesspool of my family. Just (laughs) I get everything that's bad. My mom has kidney disease. My I'm just like, I don't understand. It's bad, but but it's not the end of the world if we have tools like like medicine, if we have the tools and we have understanding. But that's where it it falls short is no one is really taking uh, time to educate a 75-year-old black man. a 73-year-old black woman, hey, your kidneys, you can't drink a whole lot of soda. That's too much. You know, you don't want all that in your, your system. I don't need to get technical, but you know, no one is coming, no one is coming to say, hey, let me help you. And then none of them are going to say, I want the help. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and we and that's part of our barrier is with physicians and with the community, what you know, and, and I would challenge you, Tammy, write down what you think your experience is going to be like and compare it when you get your education, because, you know, we think people think we're the food police and we're going to uproot their whole life, which, you know, is not the case for most, I will say. Uh, if I read another quote here in a minute out of this uh, stigma article, I'll touch a little bit on the healthcare professionals uh, stigma, but, um, you know, with doctors, you know, why in the world, when we get that diagnosis, why wouldn't they go ahead and refer for some education and and then just offer up you know medication when we just had a slight what one percent increase Mm -hmm. and we had already done such great things and we're continuing to do them I commend you for being you know an advocate for yourself because we don't tend to to speak up for ourselves and question our doctors and I love my doctor and um, that's what I always also try to tell participants find a doctor you can really rely on one that's really going to listen to you and one that's really going to explain the best options for you and have that patient-centered care which is where the medical community is ideally supposed to be going um, and having the participant involved. So I, um, I commend you for, for taking up for yourself on that. And we all know when it, you know, when the doctor wants to be serious with us and say, Hey, this is, this is it. We need medication. Again, hopefully we'll have that rapport with them that says, okay, I trust you now. Mm-hmm. And let's move forward with this because another, you know, stigma we try to break out there is medication and insulin does not mean you failed at all, at all. It's there to help and assist and supplement when needed. Diabetes, unfortunately, is a progressive disease. And, uh, you know, we don't know that progression rate, but, and Marsha speak to this if I say it wrong, but we know that, uh, and I've always just put it as a little bit of the pancreas continues to kind of go to sleep all throughout life until it doesn't want to shoot out any more insulin. And uh, that's the progression. So there may, may, not your destiny, may be a time where that medication and or insulin is something that's truly going to, you know, save your life. Right. I, I mean, yeah, the, I, I second that notion. And yeah, I think we, um, so often people see medication as uh, something bad and, and, um, and diabetes is just one of, one of those things that, um, you know, medication is, is 
necessary uh, to keep us at that baseline health, you know, just, uh, but yeah, the pancreas does get tired. It's tired. I just say Marsh's is dead. It is. Marsh's is dead. (laughs) It's got like the whole like crosses over the eyes like this. It is is done. It It is over. (laughs) Um, There. So, um, uh, but in speaking to that stigma and healthcare professional, I want to read a couple of more sound bites out of this article here. And because as Marsha and I were talking, we have such good conversations off camera and off uh, record Maybe here. We should just record ourselves, the ourselves whole all, time. The time, yeah. all the time, all the time there. But all right. So I wrote down, Marsha said the same thing the other day, and it's a comparison of type one diabetes to type two diabetes. It says that uh, there was a distinct feeling among participants that social stigma was specific to type two diabetes and that those with type 1 diabetes were not judged so harshly. The main reason suggested for this was that those with type 1 diabetes were not perceived to be at fault or have done anything to cause their condition. Other reasons included that type 1 is perceived to be more serious condition and type um, then type two because type one is often associated with a diagnosis in childhood, oh, right? Mm-hmm. Which we know, Marsha. What do we know? We know that like over thirty percent of people diagnosed with type one diabetes, or maybe I've got that statistic wrong, but they're older than the age of thirty. So I think it might be over forty percent. It's almost like half mm-hmm. and half with type one diabetes. Like half are older than the age of. 30 and half or younger. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's no so. longer juvenile diabetes. Mm-hmm. It's yes, kids can get diagnosed, but we are seeing more and more adults and even older adults. I, I think most recently, and I don't know where the source I heard it from, but a 93 or a 94 year old I remember was recently diagnosed with type one diabetes. And, um, and so, you know, this changing the way we see diabetes again is, is the goal here, but I read that statement. I was like, yes, that that's, that's so true because people still think childhood all, which I knew I got a child, you know, all yes, yes. I'm not dissing the children out there with diabetes, but yes, but also, you know, considering, um, you know, older people get both type one and type two and younger people get type two. Um, there. Um, and unfortunately, sooner and sooner in some cases there. So, and then one more I wanted to talk to because this really, really hurt my heart. Um, and it says that, let me find it, it speaks to um, one of the participants' sessions with the dietitian. And it says, the dietitian was awful. She asked me if I exercise. And I said, I do the gym twice a week. And I have consistently since November, that's not enough. You need to go five times a week. This makes me really angry, end quote. I mean, shame on this dietitian. I was about to say, just as an educator, I'm sitting here going, oh. I mean, shaming them, show some love, show some, you know, gratitude for where they've been. Right. Right. And that, you know, and that's, that's really what I want you to report on is, you know, how they talking to you, because I think more more and more, especially dietitians who are not uh, certified diabetes care and education 
educator specialist, whew, mouthful there. Um, I, I don't think they truly understand either. And I think that's where the, the stigma lies within our profession is they don't, they don't see the side of diabetes we do on that more personal personal oh, level it, in and, nursing in nursing. It's it there. I don't know. It might even be worse, <laughs> you know, like mm. just the general population of nurses and the understanding of diabetes. Wow. I mean, there, there's a huge, huge gap there. Yeah. I feel like. And, and my thing is as a professional, now I'm a professional or a second time because I was a professional. So my thing is that you should want to understand, even if you're not a certified diabetes educator, care specialist, educator, whatever, how you say it. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> you still should want to educate yourself because when we were in school, we learned about different disease states, right? So, right. and we are evidence, what? Based. Based, yeah. yes. If you don't keep up with research just to have a basic understanding so that you can develop empathy. But if you don't work, if you don't, if you don't work with people, say, such as myself, say, you know, let's just take the fact that I did pass. I am an RBN, but I'm somebody that's coming off the street and I'm looking, I'm, I'm in culture shock. First of all, I'm in shock because mm-hmm. now I have this disease and that's just going to be like on my shoulder talking about this is what you have. And if we don't teach them that, yes, they may have it, but they it doesn't control their life. But if you don't educate mm-hmm. yourself and you don't educate them properly, then you're doing a disservice to them. And especially right. minorities and those that you don't see every day. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm a fluffy, gorgeous black woman. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't come to me and say, well, you don't work out. You don't understand why I'm fluffy. Doggone, I'm almost... You know, I'm 53 years old and don't have, and don't look it by the way. (laughs) I don't, I don't want people to look at me and say, oh, you need to work out more. Stop looking at the external and let's write the nitty gritty of the internal. Let's, let's address what's going on, what's going on in my body. Let's, let's see how we can keep it at bay for as long as we can keep it at bay. Cause like you said, Cindy and Marsha, it is a progressive disease. It's, it's not going away. It's going to progress. And I, I really thank you for saying to me that, you know, just because you, it may end up when I'm 90, have to take insulin. <laughs> you know, I didn't fail and failure is an option for me and failure should not be an option in this, in this, this field. We should want everyone to feel success and feel like they can, they have a say and they can control and the whole thing they feel like now I can't control anything and if if this is the last statement I get to say on your your beautiful podcast is your your ability to control is not gone you can still control some things and you still say so so keep keep pressing that issue still have your say so Mm -hmm. talk have that honest and open dialogue with the, the registered dietitian with your primary care because when my primary care physician I'm losing weight all my mark my biomarkers are going down why would you want to push medication to me no mm-hmm. and when she said that my husband said he was sitting in the corner looking like she's not gonna know <laughs> she's she's doing okay with metformin leave her alone she's fine and that is exactly what I chose to do no I want to continue to try to do this a different way yeah yeah, yeah. 
And that's right. Every everybody has that that option, and that's that was beautifully said. Better than Marcia and I probably could have said it, because um, again, it's it's all about looking at the internal, um, and sometimes even ignoring the external to really understand that you still have control and you still have some say in your overall health. Um, so I, I I love hearing that from you, and I, I want to say too that I would love, and Marcia would probably uh, concur too continue to follow you on this journey. So I'd love to have you back so we can talk about your experience with, um, you know, getting education and what you're learning and also be a little bit of a critique of the the system, you know, Uh, because again, this is you. The reason I told you not only to go get education because you need it, but also, I mean, this is a field that you want to stay in. That's your competition. And we need to know um, what we can do better to serve our community. Um, So I would love to see you and hear you back on the podcast sooner than later. uh, So we can follow up with you um, through that education. How long, um, is the education, do you just go one day or multiple days? I have no idea. My experience has been with the VA, not throwing shade. I am a veteran. My dad, I don't even know, like the dietitian came to the home. She looked in the cabinet and she said, here you go. You get, you get, um, what did she say? He gets 45 grams of carbon <laughs> per meal. Mm, yep. And he's like, okay. And then when I talked to him, he's like, well, I'm eating chicken. I said, that's not a carb, daddy. <laughs> that's protein. <laughs> so he still doesn't understand. And I think it needs to be a continuous conversation. Yes. So yes. somehow we need to figure out how our medical billing system, that's a whole nother and that's it rabbit too. trails that that's it too and just for those of you listening uh you know general insurances follow what medicare does and i know some of you are like what is that we don't need to go into that now but if you're diagnosed newly diagnosed with diabetes you get 10 hours of what's called diabetes self-management training through a center that is certified to give this education that may not be your doctor's office. Uh, I don't know any actually that is within a doctor's office, but um, every year following insurance will pay for you to come back for what they call an annual follow-up, which is two hours, uh, not 10. If you don't use those 10, you lose them. And that's what just makes us just our hearts hurt when people come in for the first time, but yet it's been a year or so and they only get the two hours and I need more time with them to truly explain what's going on. And we don't have that unless of course they're willing to pay out of pocket, which some of our participants do Mm -hmm. and, and then they believe it's well worth it and we're kind of cheap, but uh, it's, it's well worth it. So yes, 10 hours, um, first diagnosed and then two hours every year. And what Marsha actually, I think it was her grand idea at our center is she started keeping up with people having them fill out like a little green card with their name address and the date so we know this time next year hey we're going to send them a little something in the mail that reminds them to ask their doctor for a new referral for this annual follow-up so you know we're trying to do our part in that and uh, you know and getting their attention but you're right uh, you know doctors don't express it enough and maybe they don't even know it 
you know, to actually tell their participant um, uh, this. So lots, lots of things that we could keep the conversation going with you, Tammy. And I'm excited to continue this type of conversation and uh, break the stigma, but also educate people at the same time of what their options are in, in this mess of a medical world we, are, we live in. But a blessed medical world, mm-hmm. but a mess if you don't understand it fully. <laughs> I know we're glad that you agreed to come on. This has been a good conversation. It is. And again, we're here for you. I'm here for you if you need me. And uh, we're going to bring you on sooner than later. Listeners, if you have any questions or comments for Tammy or for me or for Marsha, please don't hesitate to ask. That's what we're here for. If you go to our webpage, uh, www.thegooddiabetes.com, a little popper upper will pop up and say, hey, what can I help you with? And you can type in a little question there and it'll email us or uh, you can find us on well i don't know if you can find us on facebook we can't figure that mess out but if you can find us on instagram we're at the underscore good underscore diabetes we did just launch a tiktok Woo! <laughs> we got no idea what we're doing <laughs> this is when i know we're not millennials this is when i know it so oh. We oh, are I, so, I have two TikTok videos up. That's it. I just but it's I so exhausting. I mean, <laughs> how long do these people take in their every day to record these short little videos? Right. There was I mean, one that maybe, was just pictures, and it's like that was it was involved to take those pictures and then create mm-hmm. the little thingy on TikTok. I mean. Yeah, I guess that's why nowadays there's social influencers and they get paid, which we want to get paid for this too, for anyone's listening who'd like to sponsor this podcast. But um, again, uh, you can find us on TikTok, um, uh, the good diabetes as well, but, but I think it's at the period good period diabetes because, you know, they don't let you just do right. a, normal, a normal thing there. I think our but, most readily available place is Instagram. Yeah, we're, we're on there pretty active a lot. And this is actually being recorded. And with Tammy's permission, we will post it to our YouTube page. So Have we a can, YouTube. Um, yeah. yeah, we got a YouTube. Forgot about that one. <laughs> Mar- Marsha figured that one out. Post anything about me you want to. I don't have a problem because guess what? I am a good diabetes follower. Yay! We thank you. Yes. We are we are brand new in this world and we're slowly trying to figure it out. But again, having guests like you, it's really inspiring and it really reminds us why we're doing what we're doing. And I thank you for your vulner- vulnerability and, and your voice. And, um, and if Marsha has nothing else to add, I want to thank you. And um, we're going to bring you back sooner than later. Marsha, anything before we go? No, I just, great conversation, but I, I, I do like, we've got to have you back because there's so many, there's so many conversations we can have about what we've talked about today. So yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Most definitely. Anytime. And I, I have really enjoyed this. Good. 
Good. Sometimes it is just good to talk um, as well. And so sorry for our listeners if we kind of go off on a little rampage like I'm doing right now instead of closing the show. But having said <laughs> wrap that, it up. Uh, wrap it up. <laughs> um, I will post the article that I've been referencing in the show notes. And uh, Tammy, I'll email it to you as well. And so we can continue to kind of come back to this article, you know, throughout our conversations, because again, as I'm reading through it, it's like everything we're trying to, to break through as far as stigma and what people think about diabetes. It's just all up in this article. And I love the way it's easy, easy read. Mm -hmm. So I'll post that for everyone and send that to Tammy. Um, And again, thank you, Tammy. Uh, Take care. Let us know how we can help. And Marsha, do you want to close us out? I will. As always, stay sweet, America. But not too sweet.